Does your child feel their emotions deeply? Get overwhelmed around lots of people or noise? Have trouble with transitions or changes to the routine? And seemingly go from zero to 60 in an instant? That might mean that they have a sensitive nervous system. Kids with sensitive nervous systems require parenting strategies that deviate from the generic one-size-fits-all scripts, tips, and hacks that you're finding all over social media today. For these kids, customizing your approach and tailoring it to suit the needs of their unique brain and body and temperament can be a game changer. And that is exactly what I help parents do in my coaching program, Parenting by Design. In this program, you will learn exactly what to do before, during, and after your child acts out. You will learn strategies for effectively parenting in these tricky situations and learn how to feel flexible and nimble by being attuned to your child's nervous system at any given moment in time, rather than having to hold a million scripts in your head, not necessarily knowing which one is going to work in a given moment. So if you feel like what you're doing to try to support your child's big feelings and dysregulated behaviors isn't working, or worse, is adding fuel to their fire, so go to drsarahbrand.com forward slash parenting by design to sign up and learn more about this program. Or hop over to Instagram and DM me the word design and I'll send you everything you need to sign up. That's drsarahbrand.com forward slash parenting by design or DM me the word design on Instagram. I can't wait to see you there. Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is Securely Attached, Beyond the Sessions. Hey. Hey, Emily. How you doing? Hi. Hi. So excited. Everyone's joining us again today for another Beyond the Sessions episode here on the Securely Attached podcast. So... For anyone who's new, this is a segment of the Securely Attached podcast where we answer listener questions. And the question today is one that I feel like can be like legit, very challenging. And <laughs> so I'm excited about this one. I'm, but this yeah. mom wrote in and said, hi, Dr. Bren, I have a new baby and my three-year-old is having a difficult time. I'm not sure if that's because of his new brother or just part of being three, but all the scripts that used to work on him just aren't helping anymore. We try to only say no when it's a safety issue, but whenever we say stop or even use positive language around it, it just accelerates the behavior and it's like he goes into overdrive and it's really scary and it's dangerous. I'm trying to redirect and everything I know to do, but it's just increasing the behavior. So I just really don't know what to do to keep him safe. Do you have any ideas? So I, yeah, that can feel super scary. I really sympathize with this mom. So, um, take it off. What's your initial like reaction to this? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think this age in particular, right. Because they're really three years old is a place where they really 
can't make choice. You know, you can't sort of Mm -hmm. let them toe that line a little bit and be there on the outskirts. You really have to swoop in and provide like both physical, you know, like that physical container for them. So I think, I mean, I guess my big, I think, obviously, I think this mom is very attuned. She's aware that there's a new baby in the house, like all the things that we would traditionally want to be on your radar. It sounds like she's on point. I think from, from like a practical standpoint, I'd say kind of maybe zone, like zoom out a little bit and see what's really important, right? Like if there are Mm -hmm. chances that you can, you know, like, look, if you can't, if, if going to the supermarket with this three-year-old at this point is not, does not feel safe or does not, you know, this, they're darting off or something like that. Maybe you have to just take those out of the equation at this moment and Mm -hmm. really think about how you can minimize those. um, You know, he, it's like, he's playing with the concept a little, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. he's like, no. Oh, and you said no. And I have lots of feelings. So I'm going to like explore that right now. Right. And I think you want to give him opportunities to do that, but in more contained places. So if you say, no, don't jump on the couch. If you're saying, Hey, let me redirect you from jumping on the couch and you jump more on the couch. I'm at home. I can put the baby down. I can go to my child. I can remove them. I can sit with them for a while. I might even have to like sit with them on my lap, you know, but I can't do that in the grocery store, especially if I have a new baby and I'm carrying them and I'm getting, you know, like, so I think a really good strategy is to see where you can get the supports that you have to cut down on some of the, I can't handle this. This is not, this Mm -hmm. really feels unsafe kind of behaviors. Mm -hmm. And then at home, I think you have to sort of do a little, I do think you can toe the line a little bit more there, right? I do think if it's super unsafe, of course you have to stop it right away. But I do think you can positively reinforce good choices. Like if they're jumping on the couch and they, and you're sort of not paying a ton of attention, like it's not super unsafe and you're not paying a ton of attention and they stop and you say, what a good choice that you, you know, got off the couch by yourself and then you move on. You don't make a big deal of it. You know, like you sort of mm-hmm. march forward. Those are these mini interventions that I actually think are the most effective because mm. you're calling attention to a desired behavior as opposed to an undesired behavior. Right. And I think as a parent who's got a lot going on, like when you have when you're postpartum with a new baby and you have a toddler, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, I remember my kids are 19 months apart. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, you're in it. <laughs> and like you, like the bandwidth of like, I'm going to gently get you off the couch and sit you on my lap and wait through the whole meltdown that might occur. It's like, uh, but I think to your point, like it's so much easier and we, we forget this, we forget about it because in the good moments, quote, good moments, you know, when the child's doing a lot of the desirable behaviors, it's flying under our radar because we are kind of busy, (laughs) tuned into our new baby or the surviving postpartum. And, you know, if it's not an emergency, it's not going to ring our bell. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we're not looking as often, I think, in at the positive moments, but they're there. And so it's like, that's kind of low hanging fruit to, I think your point Mm -hmm. is like, yes, we do need a strategy for handling safety issues in the moment or the big meltdowns that might come after we've set and held a limit. But also it's a lot easier, I think, to start being more mindful of noticing the good and using that positive reinforcement in those moments to help supplement 
some of mm-hmm. like the discipline we have to do in the icky moments. So that's, I think, a good reminder. I also think like, as you were saying that, it made me think as much as we can do pre-planning and not have to quote discipline, I think mm-hmm. the better, right? So yeah. I'm thinking like, all right, you have to bring your three-year-old to nursery school and you have this newborn and the car, you know, like you're doing all this juggling. So you're thinking, okay, I'm going to take the baby out, put them in the stroller. Then I'm going to go around. I'm going to get the kid. I'm going to hold this three-year-old by their hand in the parking lot. Like, I think the more you can run through possible stressful, potentially unsafe scenarios so that you feel, and I, and I totally appreciate your point. Like you're sort of on low tank, right? Uh, Probably with all of this, but the more I think you can kind of troubleshoot some of those things before, Hey, you're going to be such a safe parking lot walker today. I can't wait for you to show me that, you know, and you go and you get them and they're a safe, you know, and I'm going to hold your hand and this is what's going to happen, you know, and you're going to be my helper because I'm going to also have the baby. And, you know, like you're sort of like laying the foundation for you and for them Mm -hmm. and sort of like engendering a better, you know, like engendering right. that better behavior, even if it hasn't happened yet, you right. know? And I love and I think the way better. you, I love the way you pose that to the child in this hypothetical conversation in terms of, because what this mom is saying too, that I think is a really, really valid point, And I see happen all the time is like, when we say stop, it accelerates the behavior. Mm-hmm. When we call the child out, when we discipline, it's accelerating the behavior. And one so this is sort of a tangent, but it's connected. I think the re- one very common reason for that is because when we discipline a child for doing something unsafe and they feel ashamed or mm-hmm. guilty or embarrassed, a lot of kids, especially very, very sensitive kids, but mm-hmm. most kids, that's really hard to feel ashamed or guilty or embarrassed. Yeah, And they can sometimes defend against that uncomfortable feeling by getting really dysregulated, right? One, yeah, it could just more dysregulate, dysregulate them. But two, they could actually engage in intentional aggressive behavior because they it's easier to feel angry and aggressive than ashamed and embarrassed. Yeah. And then this other, just coming back, so there's that whole like why that might be happening. We could talk more about that too. But going back to this idea that you're talking about, Emily, where if you – help prep a kid for a potentially challenging situation that you know is potentially challenging because you have made the effort to kind of track patterns and you know, okay, getting out of the car on the way to daycare always is a tricky thing because they're a runner or whatever. They don't like their hand being held or whatever. So instead of saying like, you need to do this, you must hold my hand, it's not safe, it's dangerous, we're having all these problems, like looking at it from a negative valence and almost disciplining disciplining them in advance to sort of be like presenting it in a positive way and not positive like positive parenting, gentle parenting positive, but positive in the sense of like, I'm going to speak to the part of my kid that's going to feel good about this, like that's going to see their value. I'm going to reflect my child, their value in this situation, their role, I'm going to elicit in my in the way I speak to them the part of them that's on board for this plan. So I, what I mean by that is saying like instead of saying speaking to the part of them that's been doing something wrong, <laughs> speaking mm-hmm. to the part of them that is interested in being your 
parking lot helper that is interested in collaborating and having a responsibility and feeling important, Mm -hmm. having a, a job. And that is a better part of them to talk to in this situation in advance, be like, okay, what job do you want to be in charge of? Do you want to carry this? Do you want to carry this? Do you want to be in charge of remembering that? Like whatever it is, I don't know. You can be creative with your kid, but kind of speaking to their better part, their better self, their higher level self a little bit and in, in, in engaging them on what is actually a safety plan. But we're going to present it as a, you're, you know, you're being tasked with something important right now because you are valuable. And what I always say to parents is like, we get caught up in all telling the, ki- the kids, like all the things they can't do. And I think even just flipping the s- script and articulating what they can do mm-hmm. or what you want them to do is very helpful, right? I know you can use your walking feet. I can't wait for you to see it, right? I know you can use your quiet voice. I've, I've seen you, you just use your quiet voice, right? Like instead of saying, stop being so loud, stop, you know, shh, all those things, right? Like tell kids mm-hmm. what they can do, give them quote unquote commands that are directions, right? As opposed to having them guess at that, right? We can be very, very clear with our language and just shifting that, like, I, you know, talking about like lift for this parent, like it's not, un, it's not a not lift, you know, but it's a smaller cognitive yeah. lift to sort of say like, how can I rephrase that in a way that's to your point, speaking to the the person that they want to be, that we, you know, we're hoping that they touch touch base with, but also just very literally the task we want them to do being right and making that very clear. Yeah. I sometimes say like a kid needs a target if we want them to hit the target. Like we need to say like this was happening with my daughter in, in her preschool class. Um, you know, she wasn't wanting to come to circle time. And then when all the kids would go to circle time, she was sort of feeling icky and would be a little disruptive because the teacher was like, well, then don't come. It's fine. And I was like, Ooh, you know what? Actually I get that. And I don't think you need to be like a hardliner preschool teacher being like, everyone must be at circle time. But like, (laughs) I also think she's better supported when she has a target, something to orient herself to a goal or a task. So I was like, if you want her to come to circle time, it might be helpful Instead of saying, you don't have to come if you don't want to, and then her choosing not to come and then being kind of disruptive because she doesn't know what to do when everyone else Mm -hmm. is at circle time and she's feeling guilty or shamed or embarrassed or different from the group, and then it's making her not feel good, and we're seeing this icky behavior, before circle time, can you give her a task that orients her to the circle time? Can you say, hey, we're about to start circle time. Can you help me set up the books that we're going to you know, can you go help me put the books out for circle time? Or can you help me put out the spots that we're going to sit on? Give her a task that orients her to the space. You're speaking to the part of her that is, that wants to be seen as agentful and included and valued. That's the part more likely to show up to circle time. If we do it this way, um, versus the part of her that is a real part of her that is, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but it doesn't feel good. And I need to now kind of, you know, mess with circle time because the the part of her that's showing up to that circle time is a part of her that's dealing with a feeling of shame or embarrassment or 
guilt or something icky. So I think kids sometimes do better when they have a target to shoot, to sort of direct their attention towards, direct that energy towards. And that might be something to even play with too in other types of situations where you're seeing kids, you know, in this case with this mom, like this three-year-old, they're saying no, it's a safety issue. The behavior is getting into overdrive. It's like, like to your point earlier, can you zoom out? Can you try to figure out like, what is it that they're trying to do or having a hard time doing that's becoming a safety issue? Like, is it holding my hand in the parking lot? Is it, you know, not throwing a toy when you're done using it or not sticking your finger in the electrical, whatever it is, can we find something else that we want them to be doing instead and orient them to that before we enter into that sort of like tricky space? So like before yeah. we're going to the playroom, hey, I want you to help me, you know, put all these toys in bins and put them in their place. Give them a task. I mean, the the other way I approach that, so that's, I think that's a great prophylactic kind of like mm-hmm. strategy too. Another way I approach it, like in the moment, like you're in the, you're in the weeds a little is what I call <laughs> sophisticatedly, um, give them an out. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit what you're touching upon with like the shame and the icky feeling that a child might have when they sort of know they're breaking the rules or they're like toying with that, or they see that you're upset or that you don't want them to do something like giving them an out is a really kind and effective parenting strategy. Mm -hmm. And it can be a little false. Like you can say, oh, I know you didn't mean to stick your finger in that thing, that dangerous, you know, plug, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I know you didn't mean to do that. Come over here and let me help you figure out, you know, like you're just sort of like giving them away. And like, you know, the example with your daughter sort of made it ring true to me. Like, oh, I I see you were just, you just weren't, you were just going to get something. So you might be ready to come back to circle time now. Right. Like an invitation mm-hmm. to, to rejoin, have, to save face though, a little, right. You have to remember mm-hmm. even these little kids, like, you know, I think when, when this parent, like t- talking about like in a discipline stand, you know, standpoint makes it really hard because that sort of means you have to confront the wrong. And I think in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, it's about, can we give them an out from that right now? Can we like, kind of like skip over like, the sorry and I shouldn't, you know, like all that sort of, that mm-hmm. they really, as we've talked about in this podcast many times, cognitively and, and neuronally can't do at this moment anyway. Um, but can we give them like a little out? So can we essentially de- help them de-escalate? And yeah. that is sort of like my, in my parenting work, I say, give them an out. You know, can we just give them an out? Can we help help them save face? Like, what would you say to like help them save face? Like, you know, and they know that you're doing that, but you're sort of, you're helping them get out of that place. Yes. Yeah. I think that's great. And that I do that. That comes up a lot with lying in my family, at least. Like my kids lie. And instead of being like, I'm going to take this opportunity to teach you that lying is wrong and honesty is better, which is a value that I definitely hold and want to instill in my kids for sure. I'm going to teach that to them in other places in our lives. But when <laughs> my kids lie- you're teaching in that moment too, though. Yes, I, yes but more directly. More yeah. directly. Because what I will say, like, my, like, you know, if one of my kids does something and then they're like, I didn't do it. I'll be like, oh, you really wish you didn't do it? Or, hmm, that's interesting. I guess I thought you did and maybe you didn't. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. But I'm just giving them that out, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm. 
huh, like I don't necessarily confront the lie in that moment. I'm just kind of naming the thing, that, the story that they are telling. And then the fact that I, oh, I, I saw that a different way. Interesting. Moving on. Um, because yeah. it's like that out, right? It gives them an opportunity to be like, not, not ashamed, but they also get to see, it takes them out of being like in it, in the lie to sort of being like, oh, mom is seeing this lie and she's also naming it and she's moving on. Just that thought process alone, that conscious thought process that they would have as a result of that is a way to pull them out of that icky place where the lie is coming from, which is shame or fear that they're going to get in trouble or fear that if you're going to go on a more deeper unconscious level, fear that that you're going to see me as a bad person. Mm. I think that's it. I think it's like be, fear of being seen as a bad kid, fear of that your parent sees, ooh, this icky part of you. And like, you don't want that. You don't have that really. And you're just playing. You're just, you know, lying is a form of playing. Mm-hmm. And I think you don't want to take it so literally, but that is a worry that crosses their mind. And, and I do think unconsciously, you know, often, mm-hmm. but I do think that that's, that's an important thing to address. Yeah. So I guess to sort of like, let's just recap. One of the things that we're going to do, we're going to zoom out, right? We're going to zoom out in the moment and be like, why do we think this might be happening? And we're going to help ourselves create a bit of a game plan ahead of potentially sticky moments. We may or may not help our child have a game plan ahead of those sticky moments too. We're going to make sure that we're noticing the positive stuff in the good moments more and reinforcing those. And also we're going to be, when we do have to redirect, we're going to be redirecting in terms of what they can do versus what they shouldn't be doing. And then we're going to be thinking also in terms of how do I get my child to have, to save face a little bit, to invite them to have a more desired behavior because I see their better self in this moment. How do I give them that that kind of permission to mess up without being seen as bad while also, of course, holding safety, you know, obviously that container is going to be there. And like you said something else in the beginning that I think is also worth recapping is sometimes it's not just what we do in the moment, but like how do we change the environment perhaps to be safer because we're just at a developmental stage or we have a particular limitation on our bandwidth that in certain environments we just can't mm-hmm. really expect them to be able to 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 function safely in that environment. So we kind of have to just s- tighten the container a little bit for a while and not forever, but just at least until our bandwidth expands or their development <laughs> furthers. Yeah. Love it. Well, I hope that we answered this woman's question because I totally – as you can see with even my own answers to it is like, I relate to this. Um, and I think it's really common. I think that when kids do something that is not safe or, or quote bad, um, and we have an, even an, a totally appropriate reaction to it, it can elicit shame. And shame can be gasoline on their fire, which just makes it harder. And it's not that we're doing something wrong because they feel shame. It's just an organic byproduct of doing something you're not supposed to do and learning perhaps not to do it again in the future. But for a lot of kids, shame can be very dysregulating, which can really make everything escalate in that moment. So we do want to be mindful of helping them to like 
to try to use interventions that, 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 that are adjacent to rather than directly touching that shame. All right. Well, thanks so much, Emily. I'm so glad that you came in for this talk. Good one. I like this topic. This was, this was a good one. Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.